Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Emma. For a lot of our episodes, we keep it pretty lighthearted, but just as a heads up, today we're going to talk about a topic that is a bit more serious. Now, a lot of you may have heard of the death penalty before, but for those who haven't, it's when a state gives the government the right to kill people convicted of certain crimes. So it's also sometimes referred to as capital punishment. In 27 states, so over half of the states in America, there is a death penalty on the books. And the main way that it's enforced nowadays is through something called legal injection. And this is when people convicted of certain crimes are basically given a a shot that's filled with deadly poison that stops their body from working. And you have to be convicted of very serious crimes to be sentenced to the death penalty. And one of the main ones is murder. Uh, but there are some other things that that you that can get you the death penalty in certain states. So before lethal injection was invented in the 1980s, electrocution was used to carry out the death penalty, and it's actually still used as a secondary method in many states. Um, so I know that a lot of folks have different opinions on whether or not the death penalty should be part of our laws, and I understand that even listening to this podcast, some of you guys might have different opinions on that, and that's totally okay. We're just kind of talking through um, talking through some reasoning on this and why Brittany and I both are opposed to the death penalty. So, um, Brittany, why don't you give us some of the reasons that you've heard from people who support the death penalty, and maybe we'll just talk through those and and how people may be able to see the other side on this. Yeah, and I think I have a really interesting perspective because I I wasn't in, in high school very pro death penalty, um, mm-hmm. so so I've been there. So, all right, some crimes are so bad, people think you know people need to die for committing them. Retribution is a word that that we've – not retribution, sorry. Um, restitution yes. is a word that we've used before on another podcast. We forgot the word then. I forgot the word this time. <laughs> so restitution is this idea. You may have heard an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This, this idea that, you know, let's say I steal a car from Emma, that if mm-hmm. I get caught and convicted – I need to either pay her what the car costs or I need to replace the car. So there's a lot of people that believe – because an eye for an eye is, is, a, is a Bible verse and a lot of people believe mm-hmm. um, that, that that means, you know, if somebody – if you kill somebody, somebody should have the right to take your life because that would be restitution. Um, another, another reason is that people think that it's going to deter, meaning it will stop future crimes. There were times where – and there are still places where if you get caught stealing, they cut off your hand. And part mm-hmm. of the reason they do that is to send a message to other people saying, this is what's going to happen to you if you, you know, if you try to steal from me. So there's, that's, that's another reason people think, okay, maybe there will be fewer murders or fewer capital crimes as we've talked about if we execute people and, and then other people say, oh, I, I don't want to do that because I don't, I don't want to be executed. So another reason, and this was the reason I, the main reason that I was pro death penalty a long, long time ago, and that's that it costs a lot of, a lot of money to keep people in jail, which is surprising because jails have such horrific circumstances, like, like, it's just, where does the money go is what I'd like to know because they're really horrible places. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people believe that the taxes that it costs us to keep people in jail are just too high and that it would save money uh, just putting them to death. Um, another another thing is it would stop serial killers, let's say, from reoffending. Right, once you mm-hmm. you take the problem away, you no longer have a problem. And I mean, I don't know if we want to go over why some of these are 
are wrong, maybe I'll just mention yeah. uh, one one thing is that you can never be you know sure that somebody has committed a crime. There didn't right. used to be DNA evidence and, and things like that. So we have a lot of new science and things that that show that, hey, maybe people aren't really guilty. So we don't really have the right to take their life. Um, mm-hmm. as far as it costs too much to keep them in jail, that might be true. But again, are you willing are you willing to look somebody in the eye and say you you should die for not doing that? So but again, these are these are understandable reasons. Again, yeah. I said I used to be pro death penalty, so I understand where people are coming from. Um, so so I get it. But now we can yeah. you know kind of talk about the anti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So kind of going through some of those ones that Brittany just listed off. Um, you know, actually, the Tuttle Twins is a part of an organization called the Libertas Institute, which I'm not sure if you and Connor have talked about that on here at all. I don't Um, think we have, no. Yeah, yeah. But Connor actually, not only does he write the Tuttle Twins books, but he is the president of the Libertas Institute, which is based in Utah. He wears many hats. He does. He does. I don't know how he gets it all done, but he somehow finds the time. Um, So Connor actually has done a lot of policy research in this area and on this specific issue. And Connor is another person who used to believe in the death penalty and now, now is against it. And um, the main reason that he says, kind of like Brittany said, is that you can never really be positive that someone is 100% guilty. It's, it's almost impossible sometimes to tell whether or not someone has committed murder or committed another one of these crimes. And even if you do believe that at the end of the day, if someone committed murder, they should die as, as their punishment, we really have very, very little um, certainty that, that we've gotten that 100% correct. And there have been a lot of people that have been exonerated of, of death penalty crimes after the fact, where if, if the death penalty had been passed onto them, they would have been killed for something that they did not do. And some of them um, have been killed for things they didn't do. And yes, there, there are plenty of cases throughout history of people who have been put to death for crimes where it's very questionable whether or not they actually did it. The evidence is shaky, but they they were basically wrong place, wrong time, convicted of something that they didn't do, and, and it cost them their life. And that's, I think for a lot of people, that's sort of what opens their eyes to the fact that this might not be a good way of punishing people because our government is fallible. And we talk about that all the time on this podcast. We talk about how the government might have good intentions for something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the actions that they take are going to be what's just and what's right. So there, there can be, you know, people who believe, yeah, if, if we know for sure someone was guilty of murder, they might deserve to die, but we don't actually know for certain whether they did it or not. And we talked um, on a recent podcast episode about um, about the Salem witch trials and the Harvard professor who said it's better to let 10 people who are guilty go than have one innocent person die. Um, that's, that's, I think, a really interesting part of this argument is that we can never be 100% sure. Um, but going through that list and kind of talking through some of those things Brit- Brittany mentioned um, is, is the deterrent factor. So a lot of people believe that having the death penalty on the books, it acts as a deterrent. So basically prevents people from committing certain crimes. But when you actually talk with people, there have been all kinds of studies that have been done of people in prison who are on death row who have committed these crimes. And they're asked, you know, if there was a death penalty, would that have stopped you from committing this crime? And the answer is overwhelmingly no. So the data shows us that the death penalty is not actually a deterrent for people committing crimes. 
And like Brittany said, relative to it costs too much to let these people live in jail, I understand that argument as well, but it's actually completely the opposite. Interesting. Um, many states spend so much money on on you know passing the death penalty to people because it's so expensive legally. Because obviously, if you are someone who has been accused of this crime, you're convicted of it, and you get the death penalty, you're going to appeal that as many times as you possibly can. Because our court has a system of appeals where if and nobody wants to be put to death, like without no, being nobody, sure. Yeah, yeah. Ev- anybody is going to appeal the death penalty. So there's this appeals process. And the most comprehensive death penalty study in the country found that the death penalty cost North Carolina $2.16 million oh, wow. more per execution over the cost of sen- sentencing murderers to life imprisonment. So that if if your if your point of view on this is just from a financial from a spending point of view, it's actually far far more expensive to to have the death penalty in your state and it's it's more money that you as the taxpayer are paying rather than, you know, putting these people in jail for life and as Connor says, throw away the key and let mm-hmm. them live out their sentence there. So um, it's a it's a counterfeit promise, the death penalty, because of a long court-mandated appeals process that tells victims' family members that they'll have justice when the defendant is dead, only to see them live on for decades and even be glorified in the media surrounding each public appeal. So that's another element is, um, obviously, I can understand if you have gone through something, if your family has lost a loved one due to a murder you're not going to want to see that murderer's face in the news every couple of months when this appeals process is going on. And it ends up dragging these people through an even more brutal process rather than just saying, hey, the, you know, the, the murderer or the person who has made this aggression is going to be put away and you're not going to ever have to hear about them ever again. So that's, that's another factor of it. Um, Brittany, do you want to talk about, um, about sort of, innocent people being sentenced versus actually executed, how how death row sort of works and that whole process. Because I know it, it might sound at face value like you you get accused and then you immediately are are put to death. But can you can you give us some details on sort of how that works? Yeah, that that's not true. You know, since 1973, at least 186 people who've been wrongly convicted and sent or had had been um sorry, exonerated we Wait, sorry, I think I read that statistic wrong. So basically, at least 186 people who were put to death should have been exonerated or were Mm -hmm. later found to not be guilty. But that's just who we know of. So one thing that I've I've really loved, and I wrote about this years ago, is the importance of these new true crime documentaries. And Mm -hmm. and here's why I want to focus on that. There wasn't DNA evidence. In fact, one of my favorite comedians, uh, John Mulaney, has a bit where he goes, you know, back in the day, it was... People would go to a murder scene and they'd be like, oh, here's some blood. Let me clean that up. And they wouldn't even think about testing the blood because they didn't have the technology to to run blood tests and say, oh, this DNA matches this person. You know, Jack the Ripper, one of the most infamous serial killers, they didn't have the technology to take DNA evidence and say, this is who it is. And so it's been a mystery for decades on who this man was. But now we have a lot of this. So they've even gone back and and run some tests now of old cases and been like, oh dear, like this person was innocent. Oops. Yeah. And we talked about this with the Salem witch trials that you can't take something back. So very dangerous. So, and again, this is just what we know. So that's mm-hmm. really scary to me. There was a whole show making a murder and I'm not going to comment on whether or not I think he's uh, guilty or innocent, though I do have very strong opinions. Um, <laughs> but where they where they were running new tests on things that this guy had been in jail forever for a crime that he may or may not have committed. Mm-hmm. And there's just new ways of testing evidence now. So it's really scary to me, especially the fact that 
the state, the government can have the power to do this to you. You know, yeah. they, they shouldn't have the power to take your life. That's a very, very dangerous precedent. So mm-hmm. I think we need to be very careful about this because, again, imagine what science is going to be like in 20 years. You know, we might yeah. be able to tell without a shadow of a doubt. So it's very scary to me. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, once again, we are – we believe in small government. We believe in giving people their individual rights. And one of the most precious rights that we have, it was even outlined in the Declaration of Independence, is life. We have a right to live. We have a right to live freely. And obviously, that doesn't mean that you can just go harm people and have no consequences. But if you cannot be proven guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's wrong for the government to take away that right to live. Even if you're living in jail, um, there there are all sorts of things that can happen when you're in jail where you can you can learn and you can read and you can um, you can become a productive person and and better yourself. And for some people, they do use that time as a chance to better themselves. And um, I, you know, just something as serious as taking away someone's life, taking away their heartbeat—that is very, very serious. And when you have a distrust of the government. I think it should come naturally with that, that you don't trust the government to always make the best decisions when it comes to who should live and who should die. So as we close up here, there's one thing I would love to plug in our show notes. It is called the Rethink Why video. Um, The Libertas Institute, like I said, Connor is the president of that. They have done some really excellent work in helping people rethink the death penalty who maybe maybe do believe in it and maybe do think it's a good thing. Um, and they have some amazing stories from people who, um, I'm not going to give it away, but who have been impacted. And it's, it's really fantastic. It's only a 10-minute video. And if what we said today challenged you in any way, if you disagree, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. I would really encourage you to watch that video and, um, and see how you feel and see if, it, see if it has any sort of change in your opinion and at least be open to, to potentially changing your mind on this because I understand a lot of us uh, earlier on were, were pro-death penalty. And I know many people who are very vocally against the death penalty started out being against it or who are for very it. much <laughs> against it now started out being for it, I yep, should say. I'm one of them. Yes, me too. So, um, so thank you for sticking with us, guys. Give that video a watch and we will talk to you all again soon. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.